All right. You want me to go ahead and start it like like a thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's 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 do it. Let's do it. All right. I, I'm used to clapping, so I'm thrown off right now. You can cl- just clap if that's so much make pressure. You happy. Just clap. So I, no, I can't. I'm going to do it without. I'm going to try and be a big boy here. Hey, 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 welcome back to Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I am Austin Wilson, research analyst at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Josh Robb, Director of Wealth Management at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Maddie Miller from The Maddie Miller Show. And today we are doing a collaborative podcast, which Woo-hoo. is so exciting. That's right. Um, I'm so excited to get to interview Josh and Austin a little bit about their career paths, which is what I do usually on my podcast. And yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you. I think our listening audience just went tenfold higher. So that's right. Appreciate you having on the show. We're we're looking for that boost and this could be it. Well, same to you guys. I'm also looking for a boost. So I'm glad we could help each other in that that realm. Um, I always like to say on my podcast how we like how I got connected with the guests or whatever, which today is really fun because I've known you guys for a long time because I used to be your intern. That's right. True. You yes. used to be the one taking out all of our bad edits from our episodes. Yeah. Yes. My podcasting experience is actually like it's true beginnings. We're editing this very podcast, the Invested Dads podcast. So, And yeah. somehow you wanted to continue in that after you left. <laughs> Well, she's probably like, it's got to get easier from here. It can, like, it can only go up. It can only go up from here. I know. Yes. Always be a lot of work. Yes. I, I, we were just reflecting before we started how I used to always have to cut out their little parts of like, they'd be like, Maddie, can you just cut that out real quick? And so then I would like have to edit it down. And those were there good were times. Yeah, there were, there a, were lot. a lot of mess ups. We've yeah. gotten better. We're not great, but we've gotten better. I'll say that. Well, I know I, we're like a hundred and uh, you remember like what, what podcast yeah. numbers were you in? I think I started um, as an intern when you guys were doing like episode, I think like 24, like 23, Holy 24. Moly. That would make yeah, sense. And then yeah. I ended around episode, I, I think I got to like 88 or something. Like it was in the mm. 80s, I think. Yeah. Well, so, now we're crazy. at like 160 some, 170 yeah. some. Yeah. So that, that was a long a long time ago, but also it feels like just yesterday. So I know. It was a good time. It was a good it time is. for sure. Um, now you're up I, in the GR. And now now I'm up in the GR. So this is a virtual a virtual podcast, but in the best way. So That's I right. was going to say one of my favorite things about your guys' podcast is your weekly dad joke. Mm. So I thought it would be fun if we all three shared a dad joke with each other. That Deal. sounds good. Yeah. I'll go first. And mine's more of a, have you ever got really bad doctor advice? Like you just look at and like, that's horrible advice. So I broke my arm in two places and the doctor told me to stop going to those places. (laughs) That was horrible (laughs) advice. Yes. That's a, that's a great one. And terrible advice at the same time. Yeah. Never go to those places. (laughs) And I would love to go next. So this is a funny one. I think it's it's funny. I'm ready right. to laugh. So why didn't the lifeguard rescue the hippie? Ooh, why? I don't know. Because he was too far out, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say it that way, too. to make. I was going to say nice. the delivery really was 
the perfecting moment on that. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> nice. one. Nice. Okay. Your turn, well, Maddie. I know I'm nervous now. And no. I, I will say when I was preparing for this, I was nervous because I was like, what if I say one? You guys have done so many dad jokes. What if I say True. one you've already done? That's all so right. We'll laugh hope- anyway. Because okay, I probably good. won't remember. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. So I, my joke is what's orange and sounds like a parrot? I don't know. A carrot. Nice. A like carrot. It. Carrot. A ah, carrot. Like it. Sounds, sounds like a parrot. Like a parrot. Sounds like. Yep. Yeah, that was a great joke. I like. Oh, that one. thank you. That wow, my one. ego is very boosted right now. Yes. <laughs> I can, I can, I can go along with the rest of this podcast now. Good, good. We're glad. The, the key to dad jokes is if you think about it and you kind of like groan about the answer, then it's probably a good dad joke. That's kind of how. Oh, it works. I know. Yeah. If you get I like found... a little eye roll with like yeah. a oh, chuckle, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I found the pun just a good pun to be as mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. when in yes. the dad joke realm. Yeah, uh, my wife or my friends will be going out and I'll just say something and they'll be like, really? You went there? And I'm like, yeah, I went there. And you're like, I did. It's just like really low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what a dad joke is. It is. Have you guys ever created your own dad joke? Like one you didn't find somewhere else? So I had one. Okay. And it came to me. We were at the zoo Mm. and we were walking through and. I forget who it is. Somebody asked the question, how do they keep the male lions from mating with the female lions in the habitat, right? And so you don't have a bunch of cubs. Babies. And it just came to me. And I said, well, you just take away its pride and he won't <laughs> want to. And that was... That's that, a I mean, great just, one. Yeah. And that one just, that was probably my favorite joke I've ever thought of. So that yeah. was the one I thought of. Good job, wow. Josh. That no, I can't, good. yeah. And I it resulted in an eye roll and a come on. And so yeah. you knew it was a good one when that happened. Exactly. You should get that published somewhere. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's like a place for that, but there should yeah. be. <laughs> probably. It. What was that one? Reader's Digest where like people could submit their little things. You could get paid for them. Probably too. wouldn't even know. Yeah. That's long yeah. You could yeah. get paid for them. They were like $100. One. Yeah. one joke. One joke, $100. If it was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, That's that what is... they would have on like the table next to your couch. And it would have like a list of all the different TV shows that would uh, be coming up because there wasn't a guide. Wait, Josh, is this, way before, is this before remote control? I mean, you had a remote, but you didn't have a guide. So you just had to flip channels. But if you want to know what's coming <laughs> up, you could look in this uh, little list of the next couple weeks worth of TV shows. Oh, wow. Back wow. in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. I mean, I remember it, but we didn't use it that much. No, I but that's what it was have for. no recollection whatsoever. No, no you had a guy. And he went right to streaming. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, we didn't have streaming growing you had up. Cable. You had cable. Yeah, we had cable. Yeah. Um, anyways. DVR. Yes. Um, anyways, moving on. Um, I'm super, like I said in the beginning, super excited to do this collaborative podcast, the Invested Dads with the Maddie Miller Show. So normally how my podcast goes is I, like I said, interview people about their career past, kind of just like figure out what they were into when they were younger and college years and then like all their different experiences. So this is a two-part process. So I'm going to interview Josh and then I'm going to interview Austin and just hear both of their stories so that everybody can learn from you guys and learn what you're, um, what you've done as far as your career, your goals um, that you've su- succeeded in achieving, and your goals for the future. So I'm super excited. That's so as good. Maddie said, this is a two part episode. 
So if yes. you're jumping on Josh's episode, stay tuned. <laughs> there's another one coming. Or yes. if you're listening to mine and didn't listen to Josh's, you better go back. You, you it, It's like a requirement to listen to yep. both. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and we it. won't tell you which one's better. So yeah, you, you be Josh's there's no, sure. there's no rating. I guess we'll see which ones have the better rating. Oh, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can rate ind- individual episodes. Well, let's just but... go by downloads. I mean, we can get that. <laughs> No yeah. average length length of listening percentage. Josh is for sure gonna win then because I think his will probably come out first. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Well, anyways, so make sure you listen to both both parts and yeah, here they are. All right. So this is the Josh Rob portion of this podcast collaboration. Josh, thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to hear more about your story, your experience, and honestly, mostly your fun fact, which I have all of my guests do. All right. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. It is, you know, fun to share about how I got to where I'm at and kind of the experiences mm-hmm. I've had um, and talk to some people out there that may be interested in finance and being a financial advisor. So I'm happy to be here. I always struggle with the fun fact. I feel like I'm I'm a pretty boring person. And so (laughs) um, I kind of think around it and I don't know what is fun about me, but, and I think it's because I take this for granted is I am left-handed and that's, you may have known that having worked with me, but (laughs) it is a, it's a fun fact in that you're a part of a smaller group of people that have something different, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, and uh, what's more interesting is a couple of things. One is I'm one of five kids in my family. So yeah. growing up, I'm one of five kids. You know that. You you know yep. some of my family. Yep. Four of the five of us are left-handed. Wow. Which from a statistic standpoint, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. And the fact that uncommon. neither of my parents are left-handed seems just to me seems crazy. That yeah, that's how it worked out. That. Yeah. So that's something I always grew up around. So again, it just didn't seem unusual to me because everybody around me was left-handed from my sibling standpoint, pretty much besides the one outlier. But, uh, you know, and it's, it's rare that it really impacts me, but there are Mm -hmm. instances. And one of the biggest instances is Christmas. Oh, Christmas. It is hard being a left-handed person during Christmas. And here's why you do a lot of wrapping. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, when you pick up a pair of scissors, they are not left-handed scissors. Yep. And if yep. you've ever tried, and this is a true fact because I have a pair of left-handed scissors now. And oh, every once good. in a while, my wife, who's right-handed, will pick them up to cut and she complains within three minutes. <laughs> oh, and does it make and you feel like, Oh, it good. hurts. It hurts your hand. <laughs> yeah. Because the shape, the, the way your finger rests in there, mm-hmm. it pushes against the bottom of your thumb. And so as you're cutting paper, wrapping paper over and over and over and over, it starts to really bug me if I don't have left-handed scissors. So that's when I noticed the most that being left-handed is different. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you have your own scissors. I remember Mm -hmm. being in school and our teachers asking like, does any, is anyone left-handed? We have like special scissors for you. And like, as a child, I totally was like, wait, why? why? Like that yeah. makes no sense. But yeah. now it sometimes try a pair of left-handed scissors and just I see will. what we deal with on an all everyday basis. <laughs> okay. I will. That is, that's a good action step yeah. that's coming from this podcast already. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm super excited to um, launch into 
just hearing more of your story. So the first question I kind of almost always ask people mm-hmm. is where did you grow up and what did you do for fun in school and during your teenage years and whatnot? And this is especially fun for me to even ask because one fun thing about Josh and I is we were actually neighbors growing up. Yes. So yeah. I, Where did um, I grow up? Down the street from you. That's literally down the street, which is so fun. But um, so that was a fun connection to have before I even worked at Hicks and Zerker. But yeah, let's hear it. All right. So yes, I grew up in Finley, Ohio. What you may not know is I was actually born in Savannah, Georgia. Wow. So I was born I down in Georgia, but I moved up. I moved. I mean, I was a, a baby. <laughs> my family moved up to Ohio when I was a year old. So I've, I've really spent my life growing up in Ohio and uh, so that's what I call home. And um, so what I do for fun growing up, I did a lot of sports. I enjoy, enjoyed sports. So I played baseball and soccer um, and just about anything, you know, basketball, football, anything we could play outside. We were outside all the time playing. So that was what I did for fun for most of my young age and still do to today. I I don't do as much of some of those sports, but I still am involved um, now that I'm older and more adult sports. But uh, (laughs) that was kind of the big thing for me growing up. The, um, you know, having a bunch of siblings helps. And I was homeschooled for a while. So from fourth grade through 11th grade, I was homeschooled. And so um, I enjoyed that. I look back on that with, um, I'm glad I did that. And, uh, but I had, you know, four other people that were homeschooled as well. So it wasn't lonely. Sometimes when people think about homeschool, they're like, oh, you're just there. Well, I had my siblings, which is great, but we also were involved in a network. And so we did a lot of things together. Um, and so there actually was um, a bowling alley in town that let us bowl um, a couple of times a month as a group. So there was probably 30 or 40 kids uh, that were homeschooled in the area that would get together. The YMCA had a gym class that we got together for. There was a drama teacher that did drama. There was a band teacher that did orchestra and band. So in all, I, I didn't feel like I missed out on any of that socialization stuff. Mm-hmm. And then again, being involved in sports was another aspect to you know be connected. So when I think back as a kid, you know what I did for fun, it was just, you know, hanging out and enjoying, enjoying that time with people. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. That is so fun. Um, so kind of transitioning into after, um, your childhood, you, I saw that you went to Huntington university, which is actually just kind of down, uh, not too far from where I went to college, Taylor Mm -hmm. university, but, um, I'm curious. They're semi rivals in certain. Yes. In sports and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes. And I actually, um, was considering Huntington on my college search. So, yeah, but I'm curious for on your end, um, how did you pick going to Huntington first and and then how did you decide on a major during yeah. um, to go to college? Great questions. I, I'm trying to remember how I picked Huntington. Um, <laughs> I knew I wanted to find a Christian school to attend. Mm-hmm. And so I did start and I, I think I just toured. I think I went to Taylor and Indiana mm-hmm. Wesleyan and Huntington. Those are some of the schools in yeah. close in that area um, and just kind of looked at those different options. There were some people I knew that had gone to Huntington that um really enjoyed it, had a great experience. And so that helped too. Um, there were some people from our church that um, I just knew had had a good experience there. So mm-hmm. that that's what drove me there. And when I visited, 
one of the things that really stuck out, even to this day that I remember when you kind of do your campus tour and you, you know, you get one of those students, they walk you around and you get to see all the stuff and they do it at all the campuses. Um, at Huntington in particular, I remembered that as we were walking, people said, hi, they, you know, not just to us, but to her, the, the, the student that was leading us. And it stuck out to me how friendly everybody was. And that's yeah. probably true on a lot of smaller campuses that, yeah. you know, everybody, or not everybody, most people. Um, yeah. But it, it was one of the things that just, as I was thinking through all my visits that, that stuck out as very, it was one of those where it was very open and friendly and that, yeah. that drew me there. That's and awesome. so when I went my freshman year, I was actually an education major. Oh. I was um, planning on being a teacher. Um, mm -hmm. And midway through my freshman year, I kind of had a change in plans, decided that maybe it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, as I started talking with some of the older kids in that major and even some adults, the politics that sometimes shows up in teaching when it comes to schools within structure of teachers, there was just a lot of weird, you know, like movement between hierarchies and just stuff that kind of, I just mm -hmm. heard a lot of complaints about it. And I thought, I don't know, that seems kind of like maybe not as ideal as I was picturing. And mm -hmm. so uh, I switched to be a business major. And so then for the rest of my time there, I was a business major. And so I majored, it was business management was my major. And then I had a minor in small business entrepreneurial and also a minor in accounting. So that was what I finished in. Um, and I enjoyed it. It was um, great, great uh, education experience. No matter what you end up going into, I think there's certain aspects of that that everybody should have. And it, yeah. I took some of it for granted. And um, when I moved back from Indiana to Ohio, I was talking with the university and they were looking for help on helping people with resumes. I'm like, well, why yeah. don't they just don't they learn that in their class? And mm -hmm. I didn't realize that unless you're a business major, you may not have a class on interviews and resumes and all that. And so mm -hmm. that's something, you know, I think certain majors maybe could add into their curriculum as I kind of took for granted some of the things I was learning in my classes from a business standpoint that maybe everybody might need or use. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I kind of feel the same way. Like I was really blessed to go to Taylor and I went to like, mm -hmm. Taylor's a liberal arts school, which means that like you took a lot, you had to take a lot of gen ed classes that were like in yeah. other majors. And I always found like, of course, at the time I was like, that's so annoying, but I actually found it really helpful because there are a lot of aspects of different fields that are important mm -hmm. just for, I, I don't know how to better say like the average person. So, yeah. oh yeah, I, I'm the same Huntington's the same way. And there was a lot of classes that it was kind of like, oh man, that's, I have to do that. And then you look back and thought, well, that was mm -hmm. actually helpful. Uh, I see why they do that. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I was actually going to ask you, um, as a next question, like when you think back on your college days, what are thing, what things like, did you learn or like projects you did or organizations you were involved in that really made one of the biggest impacts on you. And this doesn't even have to be like within your major, just stuff you yeah. did or whatever. I would say one of the biggest ones was I was an RA for mm -hmm. a little while. So I was in charge of a floor of yeah. guys. And so that would have been my so a junior year, uh, junior year, I was an RA and it, I didn't start the year actually as an RA. Um, I was oh. on that floor and there were some things in that RA had to leave um, mm -hmm. that happened. And so there was an opening and I was like, I wonder who they're going to get. And I was just kind of waiting around to find out. And then the 
the resident director who's in charge of all the RAs mm-hmm. reached out to me and was like, Hey, would you be interested or consider this? So I went and we did an interview and we talked and it turned out, you know, it worked out and I did. And I, uh, I really appreciate that. It was um, yeah. a floor, the floor I was on, there was um, quite a few international students that were there and that just ended up being, they all picked to be on the same floor and I was on that floor with them. And so I got to know them real well. We had been playing soccer together and they were friends of ours from the last couple of years. And so my roommate and I, you know, we already knew them, but I was like, what's this going to do if I'm now become the person in charge? What if I have to punish them or, you know, do all these things? Is that going to affect, you know, my friendship with them? So that was something I had to learn um, through that, how to navigate between having authority and being in charge and also mm-hmm. having a relationship. And so that's carried over to now when I have coworkers and people that I'm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, responsible or supervisor for, how do I maintain a good relationship with them, but also maintain that sense of supervision. And so that was something, you know, looking back on, I love that time. I enjoyed that experience. Um, but I also feel like I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Wow. What a great, what a great like thing to carry on to even just like so many years later, still Mm -hmm. applying those leadership lessons. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, you know, in preparation for this episode, I was doing a little LinkedIn stalking, you know, just like probably really bad, (laughs) but yours was great. I liked looking at all your different experiences and stuff, but I thought what, what was interesting is, you know, right now you mentioned you're a financial advisor, but right mm-hmm. after college, you did not go right into financial advising. So what did yeah. those first few years out of college look like? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I was a business major and I remember talking to one of my professors uh, and, he, you know, as we were getting close to graduating and he was like, well, what are you thinking of doing? Cause business is pretty wide. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. you can do. And I said, well, you know, I've always wanted to help people with their money. And that was kind of what I was looking at doing. And he's like, great. And we kind of walked through what the the different careers look like and those type of things. And then a little while after that, I got a letter from a friend of mine who had graduated before me, a year before me. And he said, Hey, I'm working for this nonprofit. It's called Youth for Christ. And we're going to probably be hiring close to when you're graduating. Is that something you would consider? Because him and I had done some student ministry stuff together while we were at Huntington. We had volunteered together at a church youth group. And so he had known some of the things that I'd done and enjoyed doing. So he'd reached out to me and said, Hey, would that be something you'd be interested in doing? And so my heading into my senior year, uh, my wife and I, we were just had just gotten engaged at the time. So my, my wife, who's now, she was my fiance. We started talking through that. She is younger than me. So she still had two years left to finish school. And so we were talking about whether we'd stay in the area. She also was at Huntington or move, you know, if I got a job somewhere kind of working through that. And this happened to be just a little bit away from Huntington. So it was close enough where we could be in the area and she could finish up school. And so we talked through that. And um, I just felt really called into going into that ministry. And um, it was something that I had been a part of as a kid. I had been in that ministry myself um, through the programs in Ohio. And so I was familiar with it. I knew they did a great job and I went there, did some interviews and um, they ended up offering me a job. So for uh, about nine years, I was uh, with Youth for Christ and I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was a great organization, still is. Um, in fact, I, I'm now serve mm-hmm. on the board here locally for it. So I'm wow. still involved, but just in a different aspect uh, than I had been. But yeah. it was an adjustment. Um, it's um, 
you have to raise support for it. So it's, it's similar to like a missionary type of mm -hmm. thing, um, depending on where you're at, how much you raise each um, place is a little different, but that was part of, you know, coming out of college and then trying to get funding for um, getting into that ministry was a new challenging thing to do. Um, but it, it, it all worked out. And like I said, I really enjoyed that. Um, it also, when it comes to what I do now, you see a lot of the impact of good or poor financial decisions. Cause some of the families that we worked with were families that have struggled and you could see that kind of generational decisions causing some of those impacts. You know, yeah. I, I distinctly remember a kid, we were talking afterwards and uh, he was saying, I don't know if I can get a hold of my mom because I don't know if her phones are active this month or not. Cause she may have had to pay the heat bill this month. So we may not have phones and like the decisions on what utilities they pay versus what they have and, you know, some of those things. And then, you know, it just, it broke my heart, you know, cause here's a middle mm -hmm. schooler having to deal with some of these things as ramifications of decisions the parents were making. Or another one, a high school student, she had to work a job so that she could pay for the utilities at her home because her mom just wasn't doing what needed to be done. And so you think of the maturity level that that person had to jump to and yeah. miss some of that stuff you do growing up because you had to be more responsible. So some of that drove me into now what I do is helping families help make those decisions. And so, you know, having mm -hmm. seen that end, I, you know, it motivates me to help people make the right decisions and build that legacy for their generations to teach them how to manage money and, and to uh, make the right decisions. Yeah. Well, that's awesome to hear. I love when people talk about their career paths as like not like leaving a job and then going into a different one rather than like seeing how their job grew them into the position that they're now in, which mm -hmm. that's such a cool connection. Um, so you mentioned your job right now, which you work at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management, um, yep. and you've worked there for over nine years, right? Yep. I started in 2013. So I'm in my 10th year now uh, yeah. with them. And yeah, it's been great. Um, mm -hmm. When I first started there, I did financial advising, which is helping people create a plan for their investing and their, yeah. their whole financial life. Mm -hmm. I also spent a lot of time doing research. So picking the investments. Mm -hmm. And so when you mm -hmm. are talking with Austin, that's his role. And so yeah, when I, I first say. started, <laughs> yeah. So when I first started, we were a lot smaller firm. I was Adam and Tony are the Hicks and Zerker. They're the ones that started the firm. I was their first full-time hire. And so okay. uh, there was the two of them, myself, a part-time person up front, and then one part-time person. So we had two other part-time people. And yeah. now we're a team of 12 uh, plus an intern plus, you know, it's, it's growing. And so yeah. I think, um, you know, to go from there though, they, you did a lot of roles. And so I kind of did yeah. two different roles for a while as we were growing. And then as we got bigger, they said at one point, okay, Josh, you can choose. Do you want to be a full-time research analyst or a full-time financial planner? Mm -hmm. um, either one, your choice, you've done both. And I took some time to think through it and kind of look back and forth. And the more I thought about it, I enjoy helping people make those decisions and come up with mm -hmm. a plan. And so that was kind of what drew me that direction. And, um, and so, you know, Austin will be able to share how he went that other route and mm -hmm. they're both great and they're both a lot of fun. But for me, that was the interaction with people, I think was the piece that I was really drawn towards and, and helping awesome. people that way. Well, that's yeah. awesome to hear. And I mean, I know just from being an intern and knowing people that you're a great financial advisor, which is um, just always needed and really special to have. I'm curious, um, financial advising, 
what is your favorite part and your least favorite part? Uh, good question. So when it comes to like the financial advising, my favorite part, I think, is the retirement planning because it helps like, okay. people get a dream. Like, what do I want to do? What like yeah. what is the ideal? And then helping them make a plan to get there. So I think I really like that. The thing that's probably my least favorite, and it probably has just more to do with my comfort level, is mm-hmm. estate planning. I'm not an attorney. Uh, uh-huh. We help people with their estate plan, kind of help work through that with them. But the attorneys are the ones that are the experts in that and they draft it. So of all those pieces that I'm comfortable with, I think that's the one that, you know, I always defer to the attorney to say, hey, you know what, they're the experts on that one. Um, but it, it's something that's essential needs done. And I always want to make sure that people are doing the right thing. But that's probably the one where from a comfort level, that's where I kind of defer to the experts. Yeah. Great. Well, I know nothing about either one of those. So that, that sounds hard boss. Awesome. Um, so I saw that you have your certified financial planner license, which you got in 2019. Mm-hmm. That's something when I was an intern that I didn't know that like people have to like get these certifications and licenses yep. in order to give financial advice. So I'm just curious yeah. overall, like what was the process like? Like what was your approach to studying for that license? And then I'm also curious how you celebrated when you passed. Yes. So yeah. So in this industry, depending on how your firm is structured, you first need some sort of license. And so there's a series six, a series seven, series 65 series. There are all these different series, which is a, an exam you have to take when you get that, when you pass whatever that criteria is that you need for your industry. So we are a fee only planner. We don't charge commissions. So I needed a series 65. That was the one for our industry that is mm-hmm. required. And so I, I, did that right when I joined the firm. That was the, okay. the first thing I actually did when I joined the firm. Once I had that, I was able to give advice and give recommendations and help clients mm-hmm. with their money. That's kind of the, the minimum certification that you need. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's an actual license that government has. And then from there, as you grow and expand, one of the things that we do here is we're always trying to learn and always trying to grow. And the CFP, the Certified Financial Planner designation, that is kind of the, it encompasses all those different aspects of the the financial plan. And so it's a, you have to go through courses um, similar to a college course. In fact, some colleges can actually have their courses count as credit for the the education part of it. And then once you go through the courses, you can then sit for an exam. And then if you pass the exam, then you have to have a certain amount of hours of experience before you're qualified to have this designation. And so I completed all that in, what'd you say, 2019? Is that right? Yeah, I think that's okay. what I saw from it my seems, LinkedIn stalking. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> right. Uh, seems like a long time ago. Um, but yeah, so that what that does is it just helps me have a better, more well-rounded um, education on all the different mm-hmm. financial planning aspects. So I mentioned estate planning. That's part of that. So that's where I got the basis and it's great, but there's, you know, you're kind of dipping your toe into a big pool of Mm -hmm. knowledge that is in estate planning. Same with tax planning, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a a minor in accounting and I've, I'm familiar with how accounting works, but I don't know all the ins and outs. So again, that's where an accountant can be very helpful, but this designation is designed to help me ask the right questions and make sure we're at least looking for the best way to help solve those problems with the client. So that designation for me was the way of really showing my knowledge and expertise by being able to pass the exam and the the classes and all that. That's awesome. And then how did you celebrate 
passing. What did we do? I know we had a uh, donut cake, which I'm a huge fan of donuts in general. Uh, But here in our town, there's a donut shop that can do giant donuts. So when I say donut cake, have you had one of these, Maddie? I know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. So Fort Finley Donuts is the place. I know you're familiar with that. Best place, best donut place in town. Yep. They, if you've had one of their like yeast donuts, like their normal Mm -hmm. yeast donuts. Yeah. Picture that, but the size of a cake or actually bigger than that. Um, I probably, my gosh, it's, I mean, it feeds probably 15 to 20 people and, um, it tastes exactly like a donut, but giant. Yeah. So is it in the shape of a donut? It can be shaped any way you want. So for instance, the other day there was one in, Oh, for my birthday, I just turned 40 uh, a little while ago and they had a big four zero, uh, donut cake. Oh my gosh. So they can shape it just any way you want. Yeah. The other thing, they can fill it with any filling that they have wow. and they can top it with any toppings they have. So it is incredible. And yeah. That sounds it, good. Yes. That sounds so like I an appropriate way to donut. celebrate. It was. And you can tell how <laughs> passionate I am about donuts. And yeah. So. Fort Finley truly is the best. I can it agree is. with that one. Yes. Um. So I wanted to ask a question kind of about goal setting. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, to me, goal setting in all areas of life are a huge part of continuing to stay motivated and feel purposeful. But when I always think about goals, I think growing up, I always just thought about like in my personal life, but I feel like recently I've been really challenged to make goals for my career too, in my professional life too. So I was curious, what is one goal you have um, in your career um, going forward still to come? Yeah. So the one goal I had, um, I was able to achieve last year in 2022, I became a partner of the firm. And so um, that was an awesome experience. I'm so thankful for Adam and Tony for giving me that opportunity. And so that was kind of what I've been working for, for the first eight years of my career is to get to that point where I had that opportunity. And so I think now my next kind of what I'm looking forward to, or what I'm targeting is as a result, I've kind of, I've taken on two roles. Um, so okay. now I'm the chief compliance officer. So if you want to put your listeners to sleep, um, cause I avoid <laughs> this conversation a lot on our podcast <laughs> is when you talk compliance, no one really likes talking compliance. Now mm-hmm. I am a person who's a rule follower. So to me, some of this stuff is, is enjoyable to learn and, and, <laughs> and do, but that's one role I do. But the other one is I'm the director of our wealth management team. Okay. And so what that means, all that's a fun title. All it means is of the five advisors, my job, my role is to make sure that we're constantly growing and understanding any new laws or changes that happen. And so it's my job as to oversee that team of advisors and make sure they're all equipped to be the best they can be. And so what I look forward is I want to, in the next three, five years, be able to have a team that is looked at as experts. I want the advisors here, when people are online or wherever they look, they, that we're considered like that's like a go-to for that. And we have some great advisors here and they do awesome stuff. So I just really have to get out of their way and let them do that. But anything I can do to provide them with that support or help is, um, is what my next handful of years is for and kind of coming up with processes. Because a lot of what we do, if you can have a process, it, it speeds things up. It, you don't have to reinvent everything every time you do it because every client is unique but some of the things you do 
if you've done it once, you already have a framework to help you. You know, it saves time, especially for the new advisors coming in. They don't have mm-hmm. to spend all this time rethinking the things that work. And so if I can yeah. help them come up with those processes and and give a nice structure, it'll give them more time to spend with clients and do the things that they like to do. Yeah. Well, that's great. I feel like I can even give a little testimony. Uh, Jess, who works in your office, Mm -hmm. is my financial advisor. And I feel so confident working with her. Like she gives me such great advice and like really practical stuff to do um, to, you know, me being young in my career and uh, all that stuff. I am very thankful for her. So you guys at Hicks and Zerker do a great job. Well, thank Um, you. She is. She is. Does a great job. Yes. Um, So I have two more questions for you. Mm -hmm. So um, second to last is when you look kind of now looking back at your career, what is one of the biggest challenges you faced and what got you through it? I think, you know, if I, I don't even know if I'll call it challenge, but one of the biggest changes um, mm-hmm. was that career change from being at that nonprofit and then moving yeah. to Hicks and Zerker. Um, I loved what I was doing there and it wasn't that I was looking to leave because there I was tired or there was something that happened or wrong or anything like that. Like you hear some people switch because this is like, this company is not what it was before. I don't want to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't it. But I just felt a, a calling that there was some skills and talents that I had that maybe I wasn't using all of them to the full extent that I could or should be doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, from my, my faith background that it just, it was challenging to me that if I was given these gifts, maybe I need to make sure I'm utilizing some of those things. And, Again, you kind of go back to, you know, when you're good at something, sometimes you take it for granted that maybe not everybody can do that. And so, you know, to think, well, that's fine. Somebody else can do that. But if I have those skills, maybe I should be making sure I'm utilizing those to the best of my ability. And so it was coming with terms with that of not leaving that ministry, but switching to something new that will also provide value and help people, but just from a different standpoint. So I think it was just a hard transition as I was making that because that was something I was, again, very passionate about mm-hmm. and still am to not say that I'm leaving that, but I'm just entering a new phase of helping people in a different way. And so that was, it was a struggle for a little while on getting comfortable with that. And then, then I got the opportunity a couple of years down the road to then join the board here locally at the local um, mm-hmm. nonprofit that that is here that helped me then reconnect and do still be involved in it, but just in a different way. So it's been good. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool connection. And um, I'm sure you learned so much from that. And even people maybe going through a transition can feel encouraged by that um, story. Yeah. Um, So my final question is actually a question I end all of my interviews with. Um, And I do it, I I almost want to say selfishly, but I know that it helps other people too, because I love hearing people's advice um, just coming from where they are. So I'm curious what your advice is for um, someone wanting to pursue a career um, that is similar to yours or just pursue their career in such a way that you did. What is just your advice for people? Yeah. Yeah. So if people are looking to be a financial advisor, and I know Austin will talk about the other end for from a financial analyst standpoint, but from a yeah. financial advisor standpoint, um, there's a couple of different things. Um, you know, what you major in, you know, you could it could be business, could be accounting. There's there's all the different kind of aspects of business that work because yeah. you do a lot of different things as an advisor. But there are some schools that are actually accredited for that certified financial planner, the CFP, that your mm-hmm. classes give you that that education requirement already fulfilled. 
So if you're looking and you know you want to be an advisor and you know you may want to pursue that degree down the road, looking for a university that has that accreditation already mm-hmm. would be helpful. Um, but yeah. in general, the the thing you need to do, and this is true across board, I don't care what you're going into, is find uh, the opportunity to shadow or observe that career so that you really know if that's something you'd be interested in. Um, yeah. Because you may think, this is what the job is. But when you go and watch and observe, there's maybe other aspects that you didn't know about that aren't as appealing to you. And it may cause you to choose a different career and you'll be happier by not having to have wasted all that time preparing for something that you may not really enjoy. So uh, internships, shadowing, all those things are Mm -hmm. great to learn exactly what it is you would be doing in that full time and then help you decide if that's actually what you really like to do. And so I think you should do that. But I also think do some internships on things around that career because there may be something that you didn't actually know about that is even better. Um, so, you know, from Austin and I, research versus financial planning, if you would have asked me, I wouldn't have known what the difference were. But if I would have been able to intern and seen both of those, it would have helped me decide, oh, this is the one I actually like better than the other one. So don't just intern on the one thing you like, but look at some internships yeah. around that type of career you want to do and see what all it entails. Yeah. That's great advice. And um, I feel like you were like almost shouting me out because I feel that way about when I interned with you guys, like I knew nothing about podcasting or doing a podcast. And through my internship at Hicks and Zerker, I just like fell in love with podcasting. And so that's gotten me to, you know, today I have my own podcast and Mm -hmm. I do a podcast at work and I'm like freelance editing and stuff. And I never would have thought that if I didn't have the opportunity to do that through my internship. So that is great advice. Yes. So thank you. (laughs) But uh, um overall thank you so much Josh for um getting to you know share your story and your career path and your advice because mm-hmm. that are those are valuable things that people can learn from so overall I had a great time learning yeah, thank more you. about you I appreciate the opportunity thanks Maddie All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening to both of these episodes. We really appreciate you joining us on this collaboration. Um, So there's a couple of ways you connect with both of us. Austin, why don't you tell everybody how they can connect with Maddie? Yeah, absolutely. We would love it. Maddie would love it. Everyone would love it. And everyone would be better off if they went to (laughs) maddiemiller.co and maybe in the future, maddiemiller.com. I mean, we were just talking about the domain. It could be available. We'll see. But maddiemiller.co, check out her website. Uh, Also, follow her on Instagram at The Maddie Miller Show. And like and subscribe. Leave a positive review because I'm sure that you loved these episodes. She just is a gem and we love working with her. Wow, that was so nice. Thank you so much for that um, shout out. And I, of course, want to shout out my very own favorite podcast because it is truly the roots of all of my podcast skills, uh, the Invested Dads podcast. So you can visit theinvesteddads.com where you'll find all of their episodes, plus a really helpful transcript and show notes to accommodate each episode. Uh, Plus you should follow and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you enjoy their episodes, which most people do, you should leave them a review. Plus, if you like timely updates on all their episodes, follow them on social media and subscribe to their weekly newsletter, which all of this that we just mentioned will be linked in the description below. So you'll be able to find it there. But thank you guys so much for um, joining the Maddie Miller Show and having me join the Invested Dads. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And until next Thursday from the Invested Dads, we'll see you soon. And until next episode for Maddie.
we'll see you there. Adios. Perfect. Perfect. Wow, we knocked that out of the park. It's like we're pros. <laughs> it's like we've been doing this. A little bit. And if you're listening to this, it means you probably just finished an entire episode of my podcast. And for that, I wanted to just say thank you so, so much. It really means a lot to me. Um, If you wanted to learn more about my podcast, you can check out my website, maddiemiller.co, where I post extra information about each of my episodes. Um, Or you can follow me on Instagram at The Maddie Miller Show. You taking time out of your day to listen to my small podcast inspires me to keep pursuing this passion that currently provides me with no financial gain, but instead it provides me with growth in the entertainment industry, unique communication skills, and hopefully someday a story I can tell someone else that inspires them to also pursue their dreams. I know you probably weren't expecting to feel so hyped up, you know, after just listening to a podcast episode, but just know that you choosing one of my episodes to listen to is like supporting a small business for free. So again, thank you so, so much and happy listening.